Well, good morning and welcome to worship here at Noblesville First. My name is Pastor Nicole Caldwell-Gross, and I have the great privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. I'm so grateful for our choir that reminds us that we have met to worship together our holy God. And in our series this month, we've been talking about great expectations, and we've been expecting you. So if you have been with us for a while, please go to our website and register your attendance, or if you are with us for the very first time, we've been expecting you to stop by our welcome desk right outside of our worship space. One of our PAMs, we have two, not to confuse you, will be waiting there to give you a very special gift and to share some ways that you can get plugged in in worship or in service right here at Noblesville First. So now I invite you to stand with me as we share in our call to worship. With all your strength, Sing aloud to the Lord, who has brought you here and blessed you. Our voices shall shout forth praise and thanksgiving to God. With all your hearts, reach out in service to those in need, remembering God's mercy in your own life. Our voice shall reverse to the love of God, which has been lavished upon us. Come. Let us worship the Lord with great joy. We worship with, with grateful hearts. Amen. Let us continue in worship as we share in singing our hymn of praise for the beauty of the earth.
Well, I have my own hymn of grateful praise this morning that as I walked up early that our sound tech did not turn on my my mic while we had a few more uh, verses to go. Amen. Thank you for not uh, allowing the church to all leave at once. Uh, But what I would like to invite you to do is to turn to a neighbor, someone around you, and pass the Lord's peace to them. You can do that by shaking hands, giving hugs, fist bumps, however you feel comfortable, but make sure someone feels the Lord's peace.
Please join me in a call to prayer. God of all generations, you are source and sustainer of all life. You show us how to live with hope and generosity, and you inspire us to acts of kindness toward all who we meet. In this time of prayer, fill us with your living water to refresh our faith and make us a blessing to others as we serve you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now please join me in a moment of silent prayer and take to God what's in your heart this morning. And then I'll follow with a pastoral prayer. And then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, and by most Holy Spirit, please watch over our friend Emma St. Dennis as she prepares for eye surgery this coming week. We entrust her health and her medical care into your loving hands, gracious God. We thank you for the gift of precious new life received August 18th at the birth of Henry Thomas Curtis, a son to Thomas and Katie, and big brother Graham. We praise you for the love shared from the heart by his grandparents, Joe and Jean Marie Curtis. We also thank you, Lord, for sharing your beautiful altar flowers here in our sanctuary today, as Dale and Marge Osler celebrate 64 years of marriage 64 years, Father, and still on their honeymoon. These blessings, your holy blessings, take our breath away. But as we celebrate, we also remember those who find it a challenge to feel any joy in their hearts today, Lord. Holy Spirit, guide us. Help us to serve those in need of your healing comfort or food or simply a caring smile or handshake or a hug, reflecting your divine light so others can come to love you as new or renewed disciples of Jesus Christ for the good transformation of this world and for the sight of your righteous glory. Help us feed your lambs, Jesus. We are grateful for surrounding us with your beautiful day of warm sunshine and for teaching us the Lord's Prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. this morning for a God who hears our prayers. And now we invite you to hear our morning announcements and consider some ways that you can share your gifts of ministry at Noblesville First this week. The first announcement that we want to share with you is our Family Promise ministry. Many of you know Family Promise. It provides temporary housing for those who are homeless and helps to keep whole family units together. We would appreciate if you would consider giving to this ministry by purchasing gift cards at grocery stores like Aldi or gas cards. This would really help to impact these families in need. We also want to invite you, if you are a mom who's on the journey of parenting, to join us on Wednesdays as that group is reconvening. Uh, Pastor Jill leads that group, and we hope that through that interaction, moms will feel supported, feel their faith, and relationships grow, and we hope that you'll join us on Wednesdays right here at the church. We also want to invite you to purchase your Mums for Missions, and every week the number keeps going up. I said 75, then 100, maybe 125. Who knows how many Mums you may need? We invite you to purchase those because they have a mission. Uh, they go beyond just beautifying your home. They support two impactful missions, uh, both here domestically with the Lucille Rains residents in Indianapolis, as well as internationally uh, with our support of Project Guatemala. And finally, we want to remind you to purchase your tickets for the farm-to-table dinner at Teeter. It's coming up really quick, Friday, September 9th. We hope that you will be there. Many of you know the amazing impact that Teeter makes in Hamilton County by providing over 20,000 servings of food for folks that are food insecure. So we hope that you'll join us. It's an amazing spread, some great fellowship, and an opportunity uh, to invest in those in our community who need our help. Now with that said, I'm reminded that all of this mission could not happen without your generosity. And so we invite you to give today. We know that your gifts will help other people experience the love of God. So now I ask you to pray as we prepare to give. Let us pray together. God, we give you thanks this morning that you have been so generous towards us and then invite us in turn to be cheerful givers. 
Help us to give today so that others might experience your radical love and grace, that others may know that there is a God and a church that loves them, that hears their prayers, and is ready to answer. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
You may be seated. And please join me in our prayer for understanding as we open our hearts to hear the words this morning. Oh God, still in us the worries of the world, so we may hear your wisdom through the reading of your word. Move in us and among us by your spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus, the living word. Amen. This morning's text is probably one of my favorite passages in scripture. So hear these words from Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately, and she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, don't you see the crowd pressing against you? Yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. We are thankful for the gift of scripture. Amen. Well, last Sunday, thanks to my son, Xavier, who is six, I was operating on less than five hours of sleep. When Pam and I had our weekly Bible study this week, she said, you seem tired on Sunday. Are you okay? <laughs> I said, well, I was operating on less than five hours of sleep. Why? Because my son decided to wake up at 3.30 in the morning and get everyone else up in the house with him, including the dog. So by the time Sunday evening rolled around, let's just say I was not my best self. After repeatedly telling him not to kick or throw things in the house, I'm standing in the kitchen when all of a sudden a stuffed animal flies over the kitchen counter and knocks over one of my old bamboo plants and the several breakable items that were sitting on that little shelf above the sink in the kitchen. Well, like any good parent, I graciously told him, please don't do that again, and picked it up. <laughs> no, I did not do that. I yelled. I screamed. I took the toy away. In fact, I may have thrown it away. And I proceeded to put myself in timeout. <laughs> well, later on, I began to think about the expectations we have of our children. We expect our children to sleep through the night. Minus six, I'm still waiting, still waiting. <laughs> we expect them to listen. We expect them to follow the house rules. We expect them to take a bath and brush their teeth and go to bed without a fight every night. Well, parents, how's that working out for you? 
In life, many of us know that when we set certain expectations for ourselves or someone else, more times than not, we are let down. But sometimes, on the rare occasion where we actually expect something to happen and it does, well, there is cause for celebration, at least certainly in my house. And in this final week of our sermon series on great expectations, we meet a woman today who had a courageous expectation from a man she had never met. This person, Jesus of Nazareth, known to be some kind of healer. Having spent all of her financial and emotional resources on her healing and finding no relief, her last resort was to expect a miraculous healing from her issue of blood. Because of her medical condition of bleeding, this woman in that time was considered unclean. Now, I've shared before that I grew up with two doctors, OBGYN doctors, as parents. So I had a very interesting childhood. Dinner conversations were never dull, all right? So I don't know everything there is to know, but I do know enough to understand that in today's world, a simple procedure or a medication could have cured this woman of whatever gynecological issue she was experiencing. But 2,000 years ago, women suffered in silence and shame. The list of restrictions in the Torah law for a bleeding woman was long and tedious, meant to turn her into an outcast. To be labeled as unclean was to be unwelcomed and unwanted. Everything she touched, sat on, slept in, and wore was also unclean. And if any person touched her or anything she had touched, they would also be unclean. And they, too, would have to go through a ritual cleansing. So she was isolated. She had no community around her, no support, no one to lean on. And not only that, but she would have been seen as deserving of her illness because of her supposedly sinful life. Because in first century living, sin and disease went hand in hand. So let's think about this for a moment. To sum it up, she lived in undeserved shame. Twelve years of being unclean. Twelve years of no house guests, public events, no potlucks. Oh, 12 years of no husband, no children, no visits from family. 12 years of never being touched by anyone, ever. So no wonder she was desperate and had nothing left, financially, emotionally, physically drained. The doctors that she had expected to receive help from had not been able to heal her. In fact, she was only worse. She also suffered spiritually. Because of her struggle, she could not even go to the temple to pray for healing because by law, she could not go in. Some scholars think that she traveled up to 30 miles on foot from Caesarea Philippi to Capernaum just to seek out Jesus. What faith and courage she had. What a great expectation, especially for a woman who probably traveled alone and was very sick. Just think of the courage it took to be among the crowd, let alone touch Jesus' clothes. To even touch his clothes would break that 
cleanliness law and would risk making Jesus himself unclean. Now, too often when we read in our Bibles, we have those nice little titles that are laid out for us. And often this woman is called the woman with the issue of blood. But what if we renamed her and know her as the woman with an expectation of being healed? Because when Jesus realizes that he had been touched, she falls before him, feeling afraid, it tells us, possibly feeling ashamed. He asks, who touched me? Even with her great expectation of healing, she's afraid in this moment because she took a huge risk. Perhaps in this moment she expected, instead of being healed, to be shunned, to be reprimanded, to be shamed for her uncleanliness, and she would make Jesus unclean. Perhaps she expected to be taken away, to be judged, to be looked over. She probably expected everything that she had experienced in the last 12 years. But then Jesus calls her daughter. This is the only gospel account where Jesus addresses a woman as daughter. An endearing title, a personal one, and one of belovedness and belonging. And immediately she's healed. Her expectations of society, the medical field, her religious community, those had all failed her. But God did not. In her courageous act, Jesus' understanding of age-old purity laws is turned on its head. The assumption was that the impure contaminated what was pure, which was a reason to avoid touching it at all. But instead of impurity flowing from her to him through unclean touch, healing power had flowed from him to her. This shows us that perhaps purity and divine power is stronger than impurity. So how far then can we take this? That forgiveness is stronger than sin. That good is stronger than evil. That healing is more powerful than illness. That our expectations of God should be stronger than the expectations we have of society and even ourselves. When I was in seminary, I had a professor that said of a recent poll that 80% of United Methodists do not expect to experience the presence of God on Sunday mornings. 80%! So don't look now. <laughs> but perhaps anywhere from 7 to 10 people in your pew this morning did not expect to show up today to experience the actual presence of God in worship. That means that many of us woke up this morning and thought, well, I'll go to church and just eh, see what happens. We don't expect that this sacred time in our week will be where we actually experience the holy. It's a two-way street, isn't it? Our relationship with God is first and foremost a partnership. If we expect God to do great things, then God expects us to do great things too. If we expect God to show up in our lives, God expects us to expect God's presence. 
how often do we tend to look for the worst possible outcome of a situation instead of actually expecting something good to happen? Or what if we prepared our hearts each Sunday to come to worship expecting God to be present in this place? Now, many times this comes out of routine or fear. We can't see the end of the story, so we hesitate to even start the book. It's overwhelming. It might be sad, we wonder. It might stir something uncomfortable within us. We don't know where it's going. Well, a young man named Jimmy Amiziel recently said, Sometimes you don't have to know what to do. You just have to be ready to do it. He said this in response to his courageous act of rescuing a baby out of a trash can while visiting family in Haiti back in 2017. The local people looked on and were afraid to touch the child because they feared that the child was either evil or cursed. But Jimmy stepped in. We're going to take a look at his story. A Texas State University student is in the process of adopting a baby he found in a trash can while visiting his family in Haiti back in 2017. This is a heartwarming story making national headlines. KXAN Sarah Elshay spoke with a student who explains why he had to bring that baby home forever. When I woke up that day, I was totally unaware that my life was about to change. A decision Jimmy Amisio never expected he'd have to make. My life has changed forever. Back in 2017, while the 22-year-old was visiting his home country of Haiti, the Texas State University student heard a large crowd gathering in the streets. So there were about like 15 to 20 people uh, staring at the baby on the pile of trash. A baby boy covered in fire ants crying out for help. He had no clothes on. I could hear... Uh, the pain in his voice. While others stood back, a miss y'all sprung into action. I couldn't think of anything but to save it. He picked up the baby and took him home to his mom where they bathed, clothed, and fed him. A miss y'all says police investigated but couldn't find the parents. So a judge asked him a question he wasn't prepared for. Would you be willing uh, to uh, be his legal guardian? After taking a few nights to think it over, a miss y'all says he took a leap of faith and said yes. Sometimes you don't have to know what to do. You just have to be ready to do it. That same baby boy left in a trash can is now five-year-old Emilio Angel Jeremiah. A Miss Y'all is now in the process of trying to legally adopt Emilio, and as he reflects on these past few years, a Miss Y'all says that life-changing decision was the best decision he could have ever made. Transform his life from being abandoned in the trash to a wonderful treasure. Sarah Alshah, KXAN News. What a beautiful family. <laughs> I can just imagine being a part of that crowd that day surrounding this child and then being honest with myself, looking around, expecting someone to do something. I think we've all been in those situations where something is happening and where there's some kind of unspoken assumption that, well, surely someone's going to step in, right? But what if that someone is you? That is what Jimmy experienced that day as he nervously picked up that child out of the trash. It was a leap of faith, he said. 
We might imagine God whispering into his heart saying, I have an expectation of you that you will be a part of this child's story, starting with saving his life. What courage it must have taken him to live out that expectation that Jimmy's faith would lead him into this difficult and unknown journey. And today we celebrate that little Emilio will be officially adopted by Jimmy because on July 27th of this year, he set up a fundraiser to help raise money for the adoption fees with a goal of $60,000. And the following Friday morning, after he had set up the GoFundMe page, over $79,000 had been raised. Someone said, love and light on your parenting journey. Well, Jimmy says he plans to use the extra money to fund Emilio's education and to support local orphanages in Haiti. He also dreams of starting his own nonprofit to help orphans and needy families in his home country. What an affirmation and celebration of courage and stepping in to do something that we feel is expected of us. Because if not us, then who? If we will not advocate for ourselves or for those unable to speak, then who and how? Well, this courageous woman in our story today decided to go forth with her expectation that she would be healed. And Jesus went above and beyond anything that she could have ever imagined. He did away with those negative expectations that she clearly carried with her in those fearful moments. He sees her. He heals her. He thinks differently about those age-old purity laws. And he affirms her as a child of God, as a daughter. And with this affirmation from Jesus, she is made well and restored to community. She is empowered then to take up the rest of her life, to have connections, to build relationships. She is saved from shame, isolation, and pain. She is accepted back into community and restored to life. So I believe that we have to give this woman who touched Jesus, this woman who had the, had the expectation of healing, we have to applaud her for knowing exactly what she needed to do. Many of us go about our lives not realizing that we hunger for what we need, but are afraid to expect it. And the ways also that we feel seen and loved to advocate for ourselves. We feel that perhaps our expectations from God are too high or perhaps too low or anywhere in between. Perhaps we've been let down so many times by society, by people, and even the expectations that we set for ourselves. But let's expect more from God. Let's expect more of ourselves as we hand over our weaknesses our fears, and our shame to the one who is able to heal and restore. And in doing so, may we be courageous enough to use our voices for good in this hurting world. That when God expects something from us, we hear that call as we expect God to do great things. And who knows, we may even surprise ourselves. Let us pray.
God, we give you thanks for the marvelous things that you do in the midst of our lives. And Lord, whether we expect you to do great things or not, we give thanks that you do mighty works if we are only able to see them. At the same time, O oh God, perhaps we are challenged to hear an expectation from you as well. So as we go about living our lives, open our hearts to the ways that you show up, the ways that you call us, and we give thanks for the ways that you reach into our lives and heal and restore and renew every one of us. Thank you, O oh God, for not letting us down. This we pray. Amen. Invite us to stand as we sing together our closing song, How Firm a Foundation. to expect great things from God while also opening yourself to the things that God may expect from you. Go in peace. Have a great week.